Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to another episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. Today, I am sharing my conversation with Jessica Kupferman, CEO and founder of She Podcast, the largest women's podcasting community, and I am a member of. Jessica is just amazing. She is such an incredible woman doing incredible things in this world, and this conversation highlights just how amazing she really is. This conversation, I think, is actually pretty timely um, coming out at the same time as the Barbie movie because I think there's a lot of similar themes and messages in this conversation, which you guys will appreciate. Jess also gets really vulnerable about her own insecurities and triggers around money in connection with the She Podcast conference, which was in June. She's just unbelievably raw and relatable. So... Let me tell you guys a little bit more about Jessica before we dive in. Jessica Kupferman is the CEO and co-founder of She Podcast, the largest women's podcasting community, and she's the organizer of the She Podcast Live Conference. The She Podcast brand currently supports over 20,000 female podcasters, and I am a member of this incredible community, so it was just so great to sit down with Jess and chat. And what do we chat about? We chat about how Jessica got into podcasting and the major benefits to podcasting specifically for women. We talk about culture and how women are conditioned to stay in place and what we can do about that, right? We also talk about how weird money is, right? And we talk about those money stories that Jessica had um, and how common so many of these stories are for many other women out there. Um And she also gets real around her own story of worthiness, which is just so awesome to see her being um, incredibly vulnerable. I think that's really powerful for other women to hear that as well. You guys can find more from Jessica. Um, You can listen to her podcast, which is called She Podcasts. Uh, you can also check out ShePodcast.com. That's where where she builds the, her podcasting community. Um, she's also out there on all the socials um, at ShePodcast. And then you can find her personally at Jess Kupferman. And that is J-E-S-S-K-U-P-F-E-R-M-A-N. All right, you guys, without further ado, here's my conversation with the amazing Jessica Kupferman. Enjoy. Hi, Jess. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I am so excited to talk to you today. I already know without even really knowing you that we have a lot in common. Um, We both care so deeply about supporting women and doing what they love and developing a community around that. So with that, I think I'd love to just have you start by telling everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah. So, so I started my career as a graphic and web designer and then I, I end up throughout my career teaching people a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. So, 
um, when I was doing graphic and web design, people would ask me how I did it. And then I started social media consulting and, and started teaching that. And then when I started a podcast, started teaching that. So, but in between there, when I very first started my podcast, it was just so that I could get my own graphic and web design business to more people for less work. Like I was hoping to do courses and stuff online that would help entrepreneurs. When I started the podcast, I just wanted like more, I want to say clout, but it was really like, I just, I, I was blogging a lot and it wasn't getting me as far and, you know, I have a theater background and I thought and public speaking and debate. And so I thought maybe, I mean, someone invited me on their show and it was like having your own talk show, which I loved. So I, I started my own and then I went to another event and met a couple other, I mean, it was like six women podcasters amongst a sea of men and bloggers and other things. And I put them in a little Facebook group of my own. Like it was almost like I want to keep these ladies in my pocket so that I can ask them my own questions. And it grew and grew. So now it's 21,000 women. And that's a free Facebook group. And then we have a paid membership. And then we're doing a conference this June. And this is not the first conference. You've had a few of them, right? This is the third, actually. But it's like the third in five years because of the pandemic. So it's been every other year, 19, 2021, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great to see the amazing growth there. What have you been seeing as in the community as it's growing? Do you find that it still has that same ultimate goal of, you know, women podcasters supporting other women podcasters? What else, what else have you learned from it, I guess, as it started to expand? Well, at first, I mean, it was just a bunch of friends, so it didn't require very much leadership. And as it grew, it was apparent that we needed to establish boundaries and make rules so that people didn't, you know, either take advantage of the space or use it in a way for which it wasn't intended. So um, we instituted, you could not post anything promotional whatsoever, no affiliate links, no links to your show. If you wanted, um, you know, if you wanted like eyes on your cover art, that was fine, but we don't allow links and, you know, different things like that. So it was like slowly being dragged into a leadership position against our will, um, which wasn't, you know, wasn't a bad thing. It just, it wasn't, whatever has happened with She Podcast wasn't as originally intended. So we've sort of just been, winging it a lot like we started a podcast shortly after the um facebook group and didn't even look at downloads but you know i i already knew how to bundle print and digital advertising from my you know graphic design days so i already had sponsors and um i was pretty good about figuring out how to make money but we also threw a lot of stuff up in the air just to see what would land so over the years before the conference she podcast has tried meetups and workshops online and off webinars in-person lunches uh one-on-one coaching together with my with ILC my co you know my co-founder and then separately without her and we've done all the things and and I mean the main thing I've learned is that it is the easiest to make money doing the thing that you enjoy doing and if you don't enjoy it it will be nearly impossible to make money doing what you don't feel like doing because it just is a slog. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because I love podcasting. I love the work that I'm doing. And if I can't do, it's gotten to the point where 
if I don't do anything even related to the podcast that day, I feel it. I get cranky. Yeah. It's, like, it's an like, outlet yeah. for me. It really is. It's just, yeah. it's more that I just, it, it could just be brainstorming an episode. It could be connecting with somebody that I really want to talk to, or it doesn't matter. It's, it, it's brought so much like light and, and passion into my mm-hmm. world that I didn't realize that I had. Uh, or that I, I didn't realize was missing. And, and when I started this podcast, it was during the pandemic, it was um, the end of 2020. And I was frankly, like, lonely, I was isolated. And mm-hmm. I knew I had a lot of things that I needed to talk about. And I just didn't have that forum yeah. at, available for me right at that moment. And I also didn't have, I think, the audience that I was looking for, you know, the maybe in my immediate group of group of peers or other, I'm a mom and my audience mm. is a lot of working mothers. And it was hard sometimes, especially because the topic that I want to talk about money is so taboo. It's so, there's so much shame that comes along with it. So you bring it up and people are like, oh, ooh, ooh, I don't want to talk about that. Right. But podcasting, you can put it out there into the world and people can listen to it when they're ready for it. Like when they're ready to have those kind of deeper conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of delightful the way that you get to be curious and brainy and connected. Um, I think that it subtly has a way of bringing out all your best qualities and, you know, can also shine a light on the things that you're not great at because there are so many aspects of it too. Like besides just the interview and the connection, it's also, you know, are you good at the small details of editing and production? Are you good at the marketing piece? And I think that podcasters, you've never thought about that, those skills, can learn whether or not they are in addition happy to just sit and edit out all their little ums or are they happy writing posts about their latest conversation with someone and and those are those are really important i think pieces of knowledge to have about yourself there's so much self awareness i've learned in the last 2 years yeah oh yeah well that's pand- that's pandemic alone you didn't need a podcast for that i don't think no oh agreed <laughs> agreed yeah. but even still yeah i mean personally the technology is just not my thing it's not what i, I can see what it i mean out, it is, that yeah. is my thing that's the yeah. part i like i'm very good at it and i'm fast yeah um, which is why yeah, we need each other right this is why we need that support yes, that's network exactly because right. there's always somebody that can do what you need, right? That can help you Absolutely. vice versa, right? You have skills that, and and that's the part of the community that I think is so incredible. And um, having women who are not in competition with each other, women who want to hold each other's hands and help each other up, help each other grow. I think that is just like, we need more of that. So I'm Absolutely. excited to have this community and that I, you know, I, I'm part of the Facebook group and, I'm just glad that that we're having this conversation because it's so important. Really and again, that. you know, I think I know I know the answer at least for me. But when you started, why women? Why you know if if oh. why did you just limit it to to just women and not kind of a broader podcast community? Because there's many of those out there as well that are that are everybody. I'm trying to think if I was in any other community before I started mine. I'm not sure. Um, I learned how to podcast from a $5 book on Amazon uh, written by a man, and it was very helpful. I had my podcast up in about two weeks, and I went to an event, I would say like six months after I started it, met him and um, thanked him for my book and then for his book. And then I was like, um, 
So I've been thinking I'd really like to grow my audience and I'd love to know, like, how did you get such a big audience? And he said, well, how long is your show? And I said, it's like an hour. And he goes, make it two half hour shows and boom, your downloads are doubled. And I walked away being like, I was like, thanks. That's so great. Oh, you're so smart. Thank you. And I walked away being like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard ever. Only a man would give you an answer like that because then yeah. I went to lunch with all my girlfriends and they were like, what? No, here's what you do. You invite people to do this. And, and then Elsie was like, and then you can ask them questions and then they start responding to you and want to send an email to your people telling them when your episode's out, like it was all this great advice. And so when I got home from that event, after meeting brilliant podcasting women, like grammar girl, and you know, like, like I was able to put them all in a Facebook group for my own use. And I thought, I don't want these other dudes coming in and telling everybody how to, I don't know. It was just like, I enjoyed the company. I enjoyed the responses. I felt like more understood. Like they instantly knew what questions I was asking. I wasn't obviously not asking a math question about how to grow my audience. Don't tell me like, oh, one plus one is two. Like I'm not an idiot. (laughs) So, so even though this person is a lovely, even though that man is, he is a lovely man and and technically responsible for she podcasts if you think about it but um yeah the women are where i felt heard and yeah. and comfortable and i think that and and over the years people have said like that it's great for that reason that i think it's not that men aren't delightful whether you are attracted to them or not they're delightful it's just that you know and i and i always joke i've made two of my own so you know like i i find them important it's just that I don't know that women and men, I think men can comfortably learn around women. I don't know that women can comfortably ask questions around men. And also I think the learning environment, and this is for the in-person conference too, you dress differently, you wake up differently, you you get ready differently when you know that it's going to be a room full of men and women. You have to be on. Like I remember going to the podcast conferences that were... um co-ed and feeling like I was putting on like an aggressive flight suit, you know, so that if I wanted to talk to a speaker, I had to be ready to like hold my place in lines, you know, so that no one cut in front of me or, you know, I had to be willing to laugh at stupid jokes, you know, like just whatever it is when you're in mixed company. So people have told me that the Facebook group itself is very, is very good for being able to ask anything you want and not have to preface it with i know this is a stupid question in fact people don't really do that at all in there anymore i'm sure it had happened at one point where it's like i know this is a stupid question but but you don't do that in a group full of women because you know that they're going to be like don't be ridiculous it's not no questions are stupid ask you don't even have to do that you don't have to apologize ahead of time you just ask and you know you're going to be respected it's like the dream it's so. a safe place, right? You don't have yes, you don't thank feel you. that you don't you just feel summed that it up great. Yeah. yeah, like you don't feel that intimidation, <laughs> right? And that I I hear you absolutely. And that's the same exact reason why I'm kind of using this platform for specifically connecting with with women because there's so much like first of all, I mean, we're not taught like women have there's so much shame around money in our culture, regardless of who you are. Well, yeah. Wait till we get into it. You're going to therapize the living heck out of me. Don't I can't you wait. worry. Don't you <laughs> worry. Wait. I'm a whole case, Megan. I'm a whole <laughs> basket case. I can't wait. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, regardless, but I think women in particular, you know, like th- there's something about it, right? Like the, the women have this kind of, we have an ability to connect, to provide empathy, 
And yet we also have an ability to be so incredibly judgmental of ourselves. And then I think sometimes, you know, we project that onto other people, right? But mostly yeah, that's it comes we from judge, judgment, judgment of ourselves, I think. And so, you know, when we're not taught something, because we're not taught finance or money, anything about money in school, right? We're not taught that. So we just go into our into this world, maybe not knowing exactly what to do. And rightly so, because we weren't taught it. And then we feel bad about ourselves for it and we beat ourselves up for it and we might avoid it or anything. And, and we don't want to talk about it because there's shame. And at least for my story anyway, is there's shame for feeling stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I don't think men necessarily have that. I think it's more of a kind of a competition for them or it's, they're maybe more comfortable talking about something that they don't have as much experience with or as much knowledge around. Yeah. You know, you just, you just clicked something in my head while you were talking. I don't know how, do you curse on this show or no? Do you, oh, feel free. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it if you don't normally do it. No, um, I mean, I, go ahead. <laughs> Please okay. do. We do um, here and there. <laughs> so, so I was just thinking as you were saying that about shame and I'm like, you know, the only other thing that women are intimidated into talk into not talking about is sex, money and sex. And you know why? It's because those are the two ways men can control us, right? If they if we, they have all the money, we can't have, you know, then they can control us. And if they insist and and decide when the sex is happening, then they can control us. So it's like we're taught to be nice, be a nice girl, be a respectable girl. And, um, you know, the thing, the two things that you're afraid of being accused of is, is bitches and whores. You can't be bitches. You can't be bitches and whores. So, so money, if you have a lot of money, instantly people think you're a bitch. And then if you have a lot of sex, I mean, that seems obvious, right? So, so we are conditioned to stay in place, which is like so ingrained in us now that we even say to our own daughters, like nice girls. I mean, I even say it to my son, you know, nice, you know, nice boys don't, you know, eat their with their fingers or just whatever like we're taught to be nice and and specific and appropriate and those two subjects for women i think are i mean we just have to we have to recognize it so that we can get past it it's the stigma and the shame but it's there for a reason and that reason is to control us i think yeah and i I shouldn't even say i think you know that's even a women's women always communicate like that too they say i think or don't you think at the end of sentences and that's something we were conditioned to do so i don't think i know i know megan it's as if and I, t- I talk I've talked about this before it's as if we're looking for validation for what we're saying that somebody yeah. else because we need that That's approval. exactly what it's like men don't do that they don't say don't you think or what do yeah. you think or am I right or am I you know like men don't do that no they don't so no, we don't do I, that as you're saying that I I'm, I'm thinking through how many times just even in the last like two days <laughs> at work I've done that in meetings and said you know just saying like oh do you do you, do you agree with that <laughs> you gotta catch yourself you gotta catch yeah. yourself no, it's it, a habit it's a habit just like saying they them you know like you're you you have to you have to be hyper aware that you are asking validation of people you give zero f's about whether or not they validate you and then stop and stop trying to seem nice or not seem overly aggressive or not seem too smart think of all the tv shows we watched where a woman i mean even house bunny right she dumbed herself down so that the man would feel smarter what a stupid yeah ugh. actually a lot of times old tv just makes me sick watching it this stuff you know we yep. watch mash a lot here at my house and and um it's a really old show but it was one of the i mean i think yeah. to this day it has the most uh, highest ratings of ever t- any tv show in history and um 
the main character, how he ogles and chases girls is really disgusting. He's such a pig. Ugh. Even anyway. just watching. So now with these, um, with the apps on TV, you can watch anything. And anything. So I know. We've been getting, I have two little boys. They're six and four. And Ooh, I have an eight-year-old. How nice. Yeah. Boys. Yeah. Lots of boy energy. Boys are the best. <laughs> That's what I mean. See, you made two as well. Oh, I did. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm the only girl. <laughs> Even my dog is a boy. So I'm the only Oi. girl of all boys. Yeah. Me too. I'm the only girl too, by the way. I have yeah. two sons, my husband. Yeah. I'm the only girl. Yeah. Yeah. So you get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were watching. Um, so my husband gets a little sick of the kind of the, the kids cartoons now and whatever's on TV. Like Marvel or. Yeah. yeah. And just, yeah. I mean, just all the Paw Patrol and all that. It's just whatever. Oh so, yeah. Paw Patrol. It's just kind of. Yeah. I love it. It so, is. Like, yeah, that's adorable. But they get He's annoying after a while, right? And so and so mm-hmm. he was trying to show we there was this one app that has all the old cartoons. Like you can get Looney Tunes, you can get um Yeah, yes. I, I have found that app. They are not amused. Are yours amused? No, they don't they they don't really get it. They they do think of some of the slapstick stuff on Looney Tunes, like the Roadrunner and the Coyote. They do Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, favorite part of it, but yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to um, like the Flintstones, like we were watching the Flintstones, even the Flintstones. I mean, like you think it's something. Oh, yeah, so that's simple. very, that is very misogynistic. The Flintstones. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so interesting now that you see it and how yeah. the, the world that we came from and the world that we're at now. And I think, you know, one of the things that I also talk about is just media literacy, because once you see things, you can't unsee it. And the impact of culture on, on how we as women feel about ourselves. Right. And so again, like I think our relationship, I talk specifically kind of through the angle of our relationship with money, but it's all about how we feel about ourselves. And I think it's our relationship with ourselves impacts our relationship. Triggered me a little. That's true though. Yes, it yeah. is exactly how you feel about yourself. It yeah. is an enormous trigger. Yeah, well, so I have ADHD and and I'm the oldest. And I don't know if this is an oldest characteristic or not, um, but my sister always saved every penny of her allowance and I always spent it like immediately, like as fast mm-hmm. as I possibly could. And I wouldn't say that that was because as a kid, I felt that I didn't deserve money. It was more that I was impulsive and, and I hate waiting for anything. If I wanted something and I see it like, like, let's live in the moment as much as we can. And I, I, unfortunately I'm still like that when it comes to money. Like I'm still like, I mean, on the one hand, have you ever, you've seen Seinfeld. There's an episode of Seinfeld where like, he's like something bad happens to him and then something good happens to him to replace it. And he's like, Jerry's like, I'm always, I always even out. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of like that. If I have an expense that I don't expect, I can often drum up a client or get a payment for something. I always even out when it comes to money, but I've, I've not quite mastered the skill of going past that. Yeah. So where I'd like to, you know, I'd like to sit and meditate on having millions of dollars in my bank account when I, when I open the app, um, I'm not quite there yet. I still am just evening out as we go. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I have to to practice what I can give you a segue, but that's a good segue, right? It's a perfect segue. And and what I talk about is putting intention behind all of that. Right. So, Mm, so many of us, I mean, believe me, I am a shopper, like by nature, I love going into a store. I love the thrill of getting, of of seeing something that I never expected uh, to see. Right. I don't, I'm not somebody that just goes into a store because like, I need these three things. Right. I love, I just love, 
thrill of the unexpected, right? And so what I've learned, again, going through the pandemic and spending money to kind of fill this void that- Well, because also I felt good about spending money during the pandemic because it's not like I was going to the movies. I'm not going out to dinner. What else am I going to do? Bring me the bread machine. Give me the ice maker. I'm ready. You know, the ice cream maker, you know, like I I got nothing else to do. Bring me, let me have an entire art studio in my house- since I'm doing literally nothing yeah. else, but well, yeah. If that, that, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that makes, if, if that's going to make you feel good and it's going to give you activities and there's intention behind that. Awesome. I was buying like shoes and like clothes. Oh, and stuff. Shoes, like, yes. I wasn't even, Before, I was, you didn't go anywhere. What do you mean? You I didn't No, It was like, but some of the stuff I, that's the I stuff had, I did not buy is like stuff to wear out of the house. Like, yeah. I never bought one thing to wear. It was kind of like, it was kind of blissful not to be like, what should, you know, what should I put on today? Like nobody cares. No, exactly. You could wear sweatpants and, and, and I'm day. still frankly wearing yoga pants I called it, every day. I called it homeless chic. Yeah. <laughs> that was I my look. It. That was my it. pandemic look. Yeah. yeah. But I was realizing, you know, one day I was just like, look, I was in my closet. I was looking and I'm like, I have all these things with tags still on them. I mean, this is like a while ago. Yeah, I do too. Because from from pre-pandemic, right? Yeah. I mean, me too. It was terrible. Things that I, I buy because I imagine myself wearing these things, being Mm -hmm. somewhere, anywhere, but where I am right now, right? Like I could be out to dinner. I could be some like on a vacation. I could be out with friends. I could be just doing something that's not in the mindset the stressful anxiety world that I am mm-hmm. in at the moment. Like resort wear is a good excuse. Is a good example of totally, that. No one's totally. going to a resort, but they call it resort wear because they want you to imagine you'll be on a beach somewhere looking just like these ladies with not a care in the world and a yeah. cute wicker bag and whatever. And it and I one of the things that I always say is it's not about and I realized this through my own experience that it's not about the thing or the item. It's a it's everything we buy is about the feeling. It's about the feeling that we want. And so when I was buying these things, it was because I just, I wanted the feeling of freedom. And I think a lot of that came with the fact that I have two little kids. I mean, at the time they were like two and four or one and a half and three and a half. Oh my God, you poor thing. And it was, I just felt trapped and I just, I weren't trapped. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Literally trapped. working from home, stuck in the house with little ones. And, and I just wanted this escape. I just wanted freedom. I wanted to be anywhere, but where I was. And so for me, that's what I was buying. And and I think to an extent freedom to me, it is. Yeah. Is it not that way for everyone? I feel like there's no other better definition of freedom than having money. And I, I, that sounds very, what's the word superficial, but only if you've been broke, do you understand that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I've been super broke in my twenties. I was always broke and it meant I had zero freedom. And that's why people, I think that's why people insist on, or they used to insist on getting college education because that meant money, which meant freedom. It meant a car, it meant a house, it meant freedom. It may not mean that anymore, um, but it certainly did at one point. And so you know even that though is like even that is like from from mommy and daddy like my dad had his own business my mom worked for him and he had you know permission to buy and do whatever he wanted with that money but my mother didn't she had to run things by him she had to check with him or she had to spend either when he wasn't looking behind his back and I mean she wasn't like 
hide these things. Like it wasn't a sickness. She was just like, maybe don't tell your dad how much that was. Yeah. You know, but she'll still be like, look what Jessica got this, 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 this. And he would just not ask and and everything was fine. So that's, I saw that and I thought, I don't want, I don't not asking anybody their permission to no, thank you. No, 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 no. And that's so common to feel like you have to hide it. I mean, to an extent, like, I do well, too. I just don't want like, the argument. I still feel that way sometimes because my husband yeah. has my husband has way more money anxiety and and Michigas going up in his head than I do. Like his parents messed him up good when it comes to money. And then his father passed away and left him with like a bunch of it, but not his sibling. And so like okay. I'm 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 whispering as if I don't want him to hear you. Meanwhile, I'm telling like hundreds of people, right? <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean, like, so so there was a whole, so in walked a whole other slew of of nonsense in your head about what you deserve and what they deserve and how you should spend money that isn't yours, even though the person who bequeathed it to you no longer exists on this planet. Oh, I see so, that all the time in the world. Yeah, that's very common. And so, yeah, so we've been working through that a lot too, and, and employment and what it means to be employed. And are you a freeloader if you're, you know, because he- you know, like right before the pandemic, he was let, he was let go. He was downsized. And then there was like all this grief and guilt about spending that money to survive, you know, like, cause we had, um, you know, a savings and that we could live off of. And there was all of this like blogging and self-hatred for spending the money. Yep. Oh no, we are not employed. What are my dad's going to, well, he's That's not here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but also no one's, I don't know if you can hear, but no one's yelling at you about it. Like, what are your, so, I mean, it's weird. Money's weird. It's so weird. And there's, there's clearly some, you know, there's, there's some underlying beliefs there that, you know, he has to kind of work through or, and I, I hope he has sort of worked through. I think so much (laughs) of us come from, yeah. eh, I (laughs) I don't know if he has or not. Yeah. I mean, again, I feel like that's the whole, like, men and women thing. I think more women are open to doing this kind of personal development and growth work. And sometimes yeah. men are just like, ah, it is what it is. Right? <laughs> um, I think, he, yeah, I, well, I'm just saying, I'm not sure he's worked through it too deeply. I'm sure yeah. there's still more work to be done. Yeah. In fact, there's probably yeah. a lot of work to be done. I think so but, many but, of us have scarcity come from scarcity or come from, you know, whether, even if you were okay yes. growing up, like, I mean, I had what I needed but I learned scarcity from my mom. Like, I mean, even though she, she probably physically saw it growing up being, you know, one of five and, you know, being, being the oldest and having to basically take care of her other, her brothers and sister. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have it quite like that, but I think you inherit these beliefs and you, people go into the world and we don't even question where they come from. And that's really true. Yeah. And you don't even know which things you're inheriting. So I just told you that about my parents, how my mom had asked permission for my dad, but you know, we haven't gotten into the fact that like my dad's older brother is the, he's the middle child and his oldest brother is the wealthiest. And like, he was also a bully when he was a kid. So my dad, there was this like innate resentment and dislike that, that to a kid almost looks like we hate wealthy people because they're jerks, right? Even though he was already a jerk before he was wealthy, but like it all tied together. Like, like, you know, uncle Gil's going to pay, but then he's going to make me feel like crap about it. And then, you know, also my mom's mom was not as wealthy as my dad's mom. 
that family was more working class. So anytime the subject of my other grandmother came up, this grandmother would be like, well, she's just throwing her money around or she just like her better because she's rich. Like there was all this weird guilt mm -hmm. around. First of all, we prefer her because she wasn't a borderline narcissist personality disorder, right? Like, like we prefer her because she's not effing out of her mind. But um, <laughs> the fact that she has money doesn't affect, like it doesn't, it didn't, as an eight-year-old, six, four, it didn't affect me at all. Right. Both right. of you are buying me Barbies. Like, who cares? Right. I don't even notice those things. But, but, um, you know, I, I could have somehow picked that up too, that like she's has more money. Therefore she's not as good of a person or she's again, she's meaner. She's this, she's that. I don't know that I necessarily did. I'm just saying like, you just never know from whom you're going to pick up like these innate feelings about cash and money yeah. and again like I said I was always the spender she was always the saver and they admired that about her and they didn't admire that about me which made me feel like well she just can't handle money and maybe there's some of that like confidence there where I'm just like as you get into 17 18 19 and you're not taught how to balance a checkbook or what a credit card minimum payment is you know you just sign up for credit cards for the t-shirt and then all of a sudden you're three thousand dollars in debt and you have yep. no idea how you're gonna pay it since you have no job and you're 18 yep. Then you've done something else stupid with money that you had no idea was going to happen and yeah. on and on and on until you just feel like I'm terrible with money. I don't know what I'm doing, which is okay. You can just outsource it like editing. Absolutely. But, and but no one teaches you that either. No, just nobody tells you anything. Like innate, like you're just left with this like helpless feeling that nothing in your bank account will ever grow. It's sad. It's kind of scary. And I did have in like, yeah, like my dad in college gave me just enough for bills and stuff. And I mean, I'm lucky I even got that, but if I even needed a bottle of shampoo, I needed a job. So I had like a thousand different kinds of jobs. I was constantly borrowing from my roommates just to get beer or like to, you know, they all went on vacation for spring break because their parents paid for them to go to Europe and I couldn't go, um, you know, it was stuff like that. I just have been, I felt broke for most of my young adult life. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. You'll have to edit that out. I'm very sorry. You're fine. This is great. I'm so glad that you're going. I told you we're getting there. We're getting into it, my friend. This is great. No, I mean, one of the things that I, I, that you said is, you know, the family said that you were the spender, your sister was the saver. I mean, and we form these kind of like family dynamics and we play a role. Like we just feel like, okay, that's my role. Like everybody yeah. thinks that this is, this is who I am. So mm -hmm. you start to believe that this is who you are. And then that goes yep. with you. I've, I've had very similar things kind of said in my family in different dynamics. And I feel like I have to, like, I felt for so long as I was growing up, you know, in college and graduating and getting out of college and stuff, you feel like you have to be a certain person and play this role within the family in order to yeah, kind of make other people you. feel a certain way about themselves. Right. And then we personalize it and we take it with us. And when we just say, okay, you just said, I'm a spender, I'm a spender. And I'm like, but do we need to really label ourselves as anything? Sure. Yeah. Maybe you like to shop and I do too. And I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with that, I but do you like don't have to, to necessarily label yourself as like one extreme or the other life mm -hmm. is great. And we are all great and we are all shades of it in the middle. And that's what I'm learning. I used to be this perfectionist, obsessed with numbers person and feeling like everything is black and white. It's this or that. And there's no, there's nothing in the middle. And then once I started to have kids, once we went through the pandemic and I, I started yeah. realizing, no, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. It's not at all. 
it was almost a relief to see everyone else falling apart. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. It, it's the one thing that bound us together is that we were all falling apart. Yeah. We do keep you, up the facade anymore. Do you find that um, since we've kind of returned to a, a new normal and some sense of what life was like before that there's people put the facade back up? Do you see that that's starting to? Yes. I mean, myself included. Yeah. I mean, I try not to actually, but you know, the event has really thrown me when it comes to money. And this is like, I don't talk about this a lot because I don't want to instill a lack of confidence in the event itself or what we're doing, but like the first year. So I don't, even though like I'm a spender, I don't gamble. I don't like to gamble. I can't even put a dollar in the slot machine without sweating. Yeah. So same. I didn't want to do a conference until I, unless I knew I was going to be able to pay for it. So people were asking me to do it. I thought it was a great idea. I really wanted to. So I did a Kickstarter and I was like, all right, y'all got to put up or shut up. So if you're going to buy tickets, I'll do a Kickstarter. If you donate this much, you get a VIP. If you donate this much, you don't. And, and, uh, I funded it for 25,000 just to put it out there. And, um, and it double funded and I sold $50,000 worth of tickets before I even had a venue or a speaker. They wow. just wanted it. Right. So I knew people were going to come and they did. I sold 850 tickets total. I made a hundred thousand in sponsorship, a hundred thousand in ticket sales. The hotel was only 60. So we made a profit. It was great. And then two months later, I went to Arizona. I found a hotel. I signed a contract. And then two months after that, there was a pandemic and it was Arizona where I signed the contract. So you know that for the first three months of the pandemic, there was no pandemic in Arizona. Yeah. Like they insisted that it did not exist. And so I had to have a lot of very colorful conversations with the hotel because here I am trying to market an event that's supposed to be happening that October while people are scared for their lives. And I just kept calling mm. and be like, okay, you write the email for me. How am I supposed to invite people to speak at this thing? They're, they can't leave the house, man. Like, right. what are you doing to me? So finally, finally, he let me postpone it for 2021 and it was a delightful event and everyone had a great time but i sold 350 tickets i lost forty thousand mm -hmm. dollars on the event i i had to i had to like pull it out of my savings account at the very last minute because we didn't you know some sponsors pulled out at the last minute that would have covered that like big sponsors pulled out like the day before things like that so it was very stressful and and kind of traumatizing because I don't yeah. want to play with money that big. And then, and then, you know, of course, like an idiot, three months later, we're in just, you know, it's December. It's right after the event. Everyone had a great time. And, and once everyone has a great time at something you do, you kind of see a business opportunity to do it again. And if you're traumatized, you want to make that better. So yeah. I think I went and saw this hotel and I, you know, I tried to catch the enthusiasm of the person showing it to me and it is beautiful and it's going to be amazing. But I'm not sure that I was ready. And I'm not sure the world was ready. I stood on the stage in Arizona and said, I don't think I want to do another event until 2023 because I don't think we'll be ready. And then I signed a hotel contract for 2022. And just like I said, people were not ready. The tickets weren't selling last summer the way that they should have leading up to October. Sponsors were like, I don't know. I'm not sure. We spent a lot already. You know, like it was a weird time of year. It was also in the middle of the week in October where kids have school. So um, a month before I postponed it, I was like, I, I don't think they're going to be able to 
I'm not gonna be able to pay for it. So I'm sorry. So she let me postpone it until June, which is, you know, and I realized today's 12 weeks away. Yeah. And, um, and, um, you know, but it's like double what I paid in two years ago. So it's a, it's a six figure, it's a six figure responsibility or what's the word? It's a six figure commitment. It's a six figure commitment. And I have staff now. So everything that came in that first year, 2019, it was just me working. I had no staff this time. I have like three or four people that are helping me. So a lot of the money that comes in for ticket sales goes to them. Then what do you use for the hotel? So it's still hairy and tricky and I'm still, this is the year that I started doing a lot of inner work because I need to know that I'm, like you said, like worthy of the money, that I don't have money things tripping me up, that I'm not sabotaging myself some way, that I'm not, you know, so fearful that I, you know, because you can't sell something fun if you're scared shitless to do it. So like, I can't, and I'm the one that writes those emails. I'm the one that's convincing people to come. So I can't just be like, please, you know, you have to be like, it's going to be amazing. And you have to really believe it. And I, and I do really believe it, but, but therapy has helped me both believe it and be confident that I myself can pull it off. It will be an amazing event. Even if I go into debt for the rest of my life, it will be amazing. It's going to be amazing. The people that are coming, the stuff that we're planning, the hotel is amazing just by itself. So um, it's going to be great. I struggle with well, sleep at the moment. I'm having the four o'clock, like, oh my gods, every night right now. But and I mean, it's a phase. It'll go away probably in a week, and then it'll come back in another couple of weeks. But yeah, oh, we all um, get that. <laughs> it's so much money. It's more money than I've ever both committed and had to raise yeah. at one time. Yeah. And uh, I and do feel a- like I can do it, but it's still, you know, when it, when it's like fifty thousand dollars, and you're like, yeah, I could probably do it. But when it's like 200 300 400 it's like i think i can do it yeah (laughs) i'm not sure i i hope i can do it i want to do it let's stick with i want to do it but um but knowing that you can do it is really hard um i can't believe i just admitted that on the show because i don't again because if if you're listening and you want to attend don't be like well this bitch doesn't even think she can it's not that no no at all you know? You're being real. You're being authentic. I'm just You're, being I, real. Like I so appreciate it. Like, what have you done? You dummy. You know, no. like, like that that little girl who spent all her allowance is like, here's her parents being like, you're just you're just a spender, you know? No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I hear you. Oh, everything that you just said, including the um the, where you just finished it with, I think I can do it. That goes back to what we just I talked about, right? Like how women are like, well, don't you think? Don't do you think I can do this? And it's it, yeah, I mean, we need to do it. I'm me- so glad that you're working with a therapist on this because yeah, I think yeah, ultimately couple, it it all comes down to worthiness. I think so many of these stories, I think it all comes, it, it, the, what happens is we don't think that we deserve it. We don't think that we're good enough to have it, um, to have it in these numbers, because like you said, you were okay at 50,000 you're like, I can do that. Yeah. I got that. But then once it, it hits was. another like level, all of a sudden new level, what does that say? New level, new devil or something. But now you're like, wait a minute, I'm playing with fire here. This is out of well, my league. I can't handle also, this. Right? Also remember what I told you at the beginning, like I always even out. Yeah. Well, that was until Arizona. I didn't even out there. I lost $40,000 and that's a big amount to lose for someone who always evens out. 
So now yeah. that story in my head can't even play because yeah. I've already proven that to be incorrect in an enormous way. And so now I'm just like, do I always even have, or am I destined for a life of debt? Like now I don't, I can't even be confident that I'll break even. I, I mean, at the very least, I would like to say I'll definitely break even, but um, I just, like I said, I hope that I break even. And I hope that I can do it. I want to do it. I feel confident that I can. I have really good support system and really good, like I said, therapists and programs and, um, you know, and a really good event and an event I think people are really going to want to come to. And so far the ticket sales have been way better than they were last year. So every day just gets better and better. But that story that used to comfort me does not anymore. And I need to, this event will help me fill it in with something else. And will it be? You shouldn't have done that. Or would it be you are actually a little bit invincible and you can do things when you, you know, like my, it's almost like my entire money psyche is riding on the, the outcome of this event. Even just saying that out loud, that is a stupid thing to do. I should just like get rid of that mindset right now that like my whole self-worth is not going to depend on whether or not this is successful because there's so much of it out of my control. There's so much out of your control in a different Similar, but very different way. I just went through something myself. So you know how I said, I can't even put like a dollar into a slot machine. No, this is not even remotely what we're talking about. It's horrible. But I was doing, so it's March Madness, right? And my husband and I were doing, a friend of mine was doing the survivor pool, right? And so last year I got pretty far. I did it. That was fun. I got pretty far. I think I got into like the final four or something like that. Oh, good for you. Everybody else fell out. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I just take Go you know girl. guidance from my husband who actually pays attention to basketball. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but but I put in $20 and I got so my he was already out, a bunch of my friends are already out. It went down from like 295 people to like 49 people. And I was one of those 49 Ooh. by the oh time God. Sunday came around. And my husband was like, you know, he's big into stats. He loves sports. He's like, he thinks through like this team has been on such a run. They're doing really well, like numbers wise, they're better, but ultimately it's out of our control. It's luck. Completely. And I picked Marquette and they lost against uh, Michigan. And it like, I had this weird, uncomfortable feeling. And I was just like, it's totally different because this is like uh, be all out of my control. It's not like I'm even doing anything like you was have. It like, like, Was it like I suck or was it like this isn't fair? It was like, like a, I'm not lucky. I can't win. Like anything. I shouldn't have tried because I was never going to win. That's yeah. very yeah. interesting. Yes. Very isn't it? Exactly. Yes. Like I don't win those. I would have been like, that's not fair. I should have won. Yeah. I would have blamed it externally. Whereas you immediately are like, oh, I shouldn't have even tried. What was I thinking to think I could win at something? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, isn't it? It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Like I'm brain now too. Swimming around, swimming around. I like it. (laughs) No, it's so good there. So there's those stories that I've kind of like, even just, just in the last day I've had to work through in my head. Like, okay, is the story I'm telling myself that I'm not lucky and I'm like, but wait a minute. Of course I'm lucky. I have two beautiful boys. I have, yeah. you know, this house I live in, the, you know, and so you think about all the things that you have and I'm, yeah. and, and so I am incredibly lucky. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to like give yourself the time to feel that. Like there is a little bit of like, you know, grieving that goes on in something like that. If you were excited, but it's just like, why did I get myself so into this? Why did I care I that think, much at the end of the I day? I think you're very, I think you're very lucky in that you recognize that. I think if a lot of people would have gone on just feeling grouchy about losing the money, 
and not been able to recognize and pick apart where your brain went wrong. Yeah. You know, they would just yeah. walk around with shitty self-esteem for another month and then, you know, put another brick on the pile of reasons why we hate ourselves and then go on with our lives. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. really good that you're able to even notice how you're feeling and, and talk through it. And yeah, I, well, I this know, is I what I do. Like, right. Yeah, the, the yeah. Podcast, like if I can't do this for myself, I certainly can't help other people do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to you and your, your situation with the conference is completely different, right? Because it is you and you do have to an extent you have control and to an extent you don't have control. So there's this balance and there's this like letting go process, I think of trying to control for me. Anyway, I feel like when I try to control I, that's like a signal for me. Like when I try to yeah. control everything, like yeah. I can only control me, that's it. And whatever happens, happens. And unfortunately, like that stinks because we think that whatever the outcome is, it is going to tell us something about ourselves. Yeah. There's been a couple of nights, this is a true confession time. There's been a couple of nights where I've been about three glasses into a bottle of wine. I started downloading Kindle books called like the dark art of persuasion mm-hmm. to see if I can like manipulate people with my words into getting them <laughs> to do what I need. So I don't lose money again. Like I've actually like, what can I control? You know, like, and I, yeah. I started recently, you know, I mean, it was either that or it's either that or like creative suicides. Like, what are you going to do? Like, what am I, you know, like, so I was just like, how do I make this turn in my favor? Like an evil villain. By the way, I didn't get through those books. They're really dark and depressing. So just so you know, I am not using the dark arts of persuasion. (laughs) I'm using the light arts, the pleasant arts of persuasion, which are different. Very different. As it it comes from a different place, ultimately. (laughs) Well, less desperation, certainly. But, you know, no, that was just like my, you know, that was just like my inebriated psyche freaking out and trying to find ways of controlling everything possible. Yeah. And you just can't. Some you, you can. can, like you said, but some you can't. Yeah. And you I think you're right. The trick is to just figuring out what you can control and only focusing on that. That way, if something does go awry, at least you know you did everything you possibly could to avoid disaster. If it happens anyway, then it's not on you. Yeah. It's it's so true. It's the it's it's having the there's a balance, right? It's having the balance between what do they say? The serenity prayer. It's like give me the strength, strength to, to know the difference. Oh yeah, the 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 wisdom to see what something about you know like help me know what I can't control. Help me yes. know what I can control, and the wisdom to see the difference. Something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that is a good. It is, and it is very. It is very true. Yeah. You, it's hard to. I mean, even with child raising, actually, it's really hard to be able to separate those two things because you think yeah. with a child, they belong to you. Therefore, they should both do what you say and um, and comply with your every demand and also live their life the way you think is best for them because you've known them since birth. So you already know they're good at X. So why are they doing Y? Um, and that yep. doesn't work yep. either. So just mm-hmm. so you're aware, because my, my older son is 25 and I can just tell you that doesn't work for kids at all. They, they're their own little people yeah. <laughs> and you can't tell them what to think or say or do. Yeah. Unfortunately, nope. not <laughs> you all can the way. Them, you can but... when they're your, when they're six and four, but certainly not when they're 24, even when they're six and four, they don't listen. They do what they want. I mean, fair <laughs> enough. They don't. You're right. My little boy doesn't yeah. listen either. So yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing these stories. This has been such a pleasure having this conversation with you. It's been so fun. Thank you. Yeah. Before we wrap up, tell everybody how they can find you, how they can learn more about She Podcasts. You're on social media, I know, and you have a podcast as well. Yes. So she podcast is also a podcast, but you can go to ShePodcast.com and learn about the conference, which is coming up in the spring. If you want to learn how to do a podcast, this is the nicest, I think, way to get started into it because it is such a supportive and friendly environment. Um, And it has really, there's hundreds of speakers. So it's like every session you could possibly want to go to about starting, growing, monetizing, but also conquering fear, gaining confidence, things like that. Um, that's all she podcasts live.com actually for the event. And then, um, and then, yeah, you can find us on all the socials at she podcast. If you're looking for me specifically to console me for my troubles, you can go to jet. I'm a Jess Kupferman. Uh, my last name is K U P F S M Frank E R M A N. And I would love to hear from you. And I have had such a good time. You're right. It wasn't as scary. It's still scary. I'm not going to lie, but, yeah. but, but I, I do feel a little bit more, you know, like prepared and I guess comforted by, being less alone in those situations, yes. you know, this is what your uh, podcast I think is meant to do is help us feel a little bit less like a failure and more like, you know, it's all in your head and you can, you can really put your mind to anything and do it. I believe that I'm just, you know, I, I hope it works out that way. Pray for me that I even out you guys. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Sending good vibes your way. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I really thank appreciate you. it.